0: And welcome to this episode of Control-Alt-Delete. Today, I am joined by Richard Tiplady. It's great to have you with us, Richard.
1: Thank you, Stuart. It's great to be here.
0: And, and it's great for all kinds of reasons, but particularly because fairly recently you fell off a mountain and um, your know, people might have seen you on the, the BBC and Channel 4 and that kind of thing. You're, you're subject oh. of a documentary because you are, in fact, a walking miracle.
1: Well, I'm walking. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. I, I bounced off the hill back in March just before lockdown. Um, but uh, but yes fully recovered um from a few broken bones and, and scratches and scrapes that thanks yeah.
0: brilliant let's say uh, we're, we're glad you've made a, such a full recovery because it must have been an incredibly worrying time for everybody thank you
1: yeah yeah i think it was not so much for me i was i was in the middle of it all but yeah my yeah. wife was a bit concerned
0: I think it's right, yeah. say.
1: It? Well that's good. Yeah, <laughs> Yes that's true.
0: Yeah. I'm glad she was a bit worried at least. Better that
1: than the opposite. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah not bothered. Yeah. Um, Richard you and I have uh, crossed paths a number of times over the years and um, you were the principal at um, International Christian College and then uh, its next incarnation of the Scottish School for Christian Ministry and now uh, you work with the uh, Scottish Episcopal Institute so education and learning have been a, a thing that you are hugely passionate about
1: very much very much and the, theological education and formation for ministry and mission in the uk and particularly with all the challenges that the church is facing not just for today but as we're facing over the last decade or so what does the, what's the nature of the church what's the scope of the church what's the purpose, what's the point of the church if you like
0: great um, question so what is the point of the church what, what... <laughs> <laughs>
1: in a, in okay. a sentence <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah i set myself up for that one didn't i really? yeah. well we're here to make christ known aren't we and and invite people to follow him we're here to be the body of christ His representative on earth i love the um description that paul gives of the church in one thessalonians and james says with, that we are actually part of the first fruits of the resurrection which is a very scary challenge isn't it just but, but we are meant to be showing to the world society as god intends it and bringing around foretastes of that that new world in our world today—that's what we're about.
0: So, so in terms of your role, then it, it, it's about preparing and sustaining leaders and challenging people to to think differently. There go the dogs. <laughs> um, what particularly now, I think for for many people, what 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 this period seems to be is almost a distillation of you know, years and years of change yeah. in the church and, and kind yes. of moving towards something different. Um, so what, what are the big issues you think around uh, for the church at the moment um, in, in terms of this particular period, but also the stuff that's been coming?
1: Yeah, yeah, great. Again, great questions and, and small questions. Thanks thanks for asking those little questions. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you entirely This that what COVID is doing is not really bringing too much that's new, but it's accelerating things that were already happening. Um, and bringing lots of things out into the daylight to allow us to see it. Um, Before I talk about the church itself, I'm actually quite um, concerned about what's happening more broadly in our society. And again, what I think COVID has accelerated, Um, but what we do about that as a church. So things like the economic and social impacts of of lockdown, you know, 2.1 million people, new families applying for universal credit in the first two months after uh, lockdown. uh, debt workers announcing a huge rise in in um, in family debt, so many families within one payday of, of being in serious financial difficulties, huge rise in the number of food banks, um, more than double the number of children being supported by food banks, and that was just in the very early days when the FOLO system was still kicking in, so goodness what we're going to see in the next year or two. And, and for all the um, focus that I think we've had in the church on um, getting online, uh, supporting people through our service online, reaching out to people online. And I, and I commend that and thinking about how we get back to church, which I, actually is a phrase I really, really want. I wish we wouldn't use <laughs> because I don't think we want to get back to anything because it wasn't working very well, let's be honest. Um, but for all our focus on ourselves, I really think we need to be focusing as much on well, what's happening out there, and what are we as God's people called to do? And actually, what are we doing? Because I think there's an amazing amount of things already happening. But but what are we called to do to serve others as well in a pretty grim time in in people's lives? So I'm mm-hmm. um, I'm very keen that we 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 think beyond ourselves, but also think about I suppose what opportunities this gives us. Um, um, We've, we've been forced to stop an awful lot of things, um, a lot, almost everything, you know, a, a great number of things. Um, and I am concerned that as we eventually re-emerge, blinking into the daylight, into this new normal or different normal or whatever it looks like, that we, we rush back to what we had uh, because it's comfortable and we know it. I think we saw a bit of that in um, the summer when the first lockdown ended, um, mm-hmm. it seemed to me July could be summarized as um, the Christians ran back to church and everybody else ran to the beach or Spain. Um, we missed stuff, you know, yeah. and we had the opportunity to um, to go back and get back the things we like. And I don't blame anyone for that. We lived the lives we lived because we liked doing these things. Yeah. But not only was that rush back to normality, actually very short lived, as as we saw the second wave hit. Um, Ironically, particularly our wider social behaviours probably caused the second wave, you know, all the mass eating out and, you know, the the new strain of COVID that came from Spain because we all went on holiday there, or many people did. And um, So I'm actually very concerned that we take a bit of time and use this time to draw breath and to ask big questions about what we're doing why we're doing it um, normally you can't take a church off the road you know like you could take a vehicle off the road to repair it but for the first time ever i suspect or certainly in our lives we, we've been taken off the road
0: yeah it's, it's something not... i used to say quite a lot when I, I was visiting people you know the problem with making changes that you have to stop stuff and we never have the opportunity to do that it's quite so... difficult to
1: change a wheel on a car on the yeah, motorway well... while you're driving yeah. it's a tricky you know it's a tricky thing to do Never actually tried it. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, don't. (laughs) And
0: I I think, as you know, as as someone who you know is now a minister in a parish, and that that's actually magnified because some of that's about you know to create the space to even to to enable people to think about that is really difficult when everything's going, as you say, you know, you're huddling down at 70 miles an hour and and it all just keeps going. You know, everything's about making it continue to go and yeah. you know you know the, the, the driving analogy only works if you pull over and stop and get out the car and you know go and get some food or yeah. petrol or yeah. you know yeah. but even then it's about making the car continue to go
1: you know you're going to get yes. back in and, and, and keep going so and maybe it's a case of accepting that we're maybe on the wrong path or that you know that, that maybe we need to look at the map um, yeah. and take some time that the sat nav was wrong or, uh, yeah. or was not necessarily guiding us the best route yeah. but it's yeah. not easy to do and I accept that actually it's, it's not even been easy to do in lockdown because there has been the pressure to keep some kind of show on the road um, that's taken an awful lot of work and energy and a lot of people have learned an awful lot of new skills and done awfully well with it um, but a lot of church leaders are a lot of well are just tired out now Um, a lot of churches are tied out and if we could all just go well you know actually we're coming up to Christmas now you know there's Advent and it's Christmas but after Christmas we're going to take a break maybe we could take a slightly longer break and stop um, and and think a bit about well okay what actually have we laid down that could stay laid down Um, and and can we create some space I'm going to push the metaphor a bit or change the metaphor you know if we clear the weeds what could we plant instead? But we were, yeah, that takes a lot of clearing, a lot of work to clear, to stop, to draw breath and take some time to go, well, okay, we've stopped this, this treadmill, we've stopped this rush, this business. What could or should we be doing instead? Um, and not to rush at that, but to take some real time to think about it um, and, and, and move tentatively and cautiously and experimentally and humbly and quietly into that rather than rushing back to things, I think is and take not just a couple of months at that, but maybe the whole next year or the next couple of years over that. Do
0: you think I, yes, that sounds fantastic. However, and so I'll, I'll throw in the however, um, the, the however is that there'll be huge pressure from both members and the denominations to get back because apart from anything else, there's, you know, there, there are buildings and stipends and you know all the things that uh that some some of the keeping the show on the road has become about it's about you know maintaining property and income yeah Uh, Yeah. and and to stop puts all of that in jeopardy although it's already in jeopardy you know we we haven't opened we've been we never did you know we we didn't uh, we kept having the meeting the day before we get put back into lockdown and um, so in some ways and some ways I'm really pleased about that Um yep. it, it wasn't until I, I was chatting to Susie Farrant the other day for for the last episode and she said and um, maybe actually reopening has just reinforced some of the really bad practice that we have because it can only be one person at the front talking and yes. I, hadn't, I hadn't given that any consideration at all everybody you know it, it's usually a fairly passive experience but it's even more passive now yes because you have to sit in a you know, don't move, don't say anything, um, and leave as soon as we tell you, kind of thing. So, so actually, going back might be worse in some senses than, you know,
1: than taking the opportunity Indeed. you've you've described. Oh, and and and, I suppose it's a case of not. Let's not rush back to just do a sort of uh, ersatz version of a service as this. That's what we yeah. do, but but actually, spend a bit of time thinking. Can we can we fundamentally rethink what we? ought to do and how we go about um being the church reframe it uh, i'll i'll come back to that if if that's okay but um because i think your point that things weren't working brilliantly anyway i mean we were we were putting off the evil day in in lots of churches you know churches which we've talked a lot about churches just hanging by the skin of the teeth um, um, and and if if we're not careful all we do is is end up thinking, well, as long as I can sustain it so it doesn't fall apart on my watch, then it's someone else's problem. And I think that's a real dereliction of duty. Yeah. I think that's a real failure on our part if we just think that as long as it doesn't collapse while I'm in charge, then stuff the next person, they can pick up the pieces. It, it You need to stop earlier. I mean, that was the example of what I did at ICC. Mm-hmm. I could see what was coming down the road and the ICC was not gonna be sustainable more than two or three more years and i couldn't in good conscience allow people to start studying in the college knowing that it was unlikely to be there when they finished that was unjust and unfair on them and so we made a decision to stop while we still had resources and assets and and try something new now it was a very costly thing to do to many people myself included it cost me quite a lot i'll be honest um but i i don't think we had a choice um and you know, I've heard conversations, commonplaces up here in terms of 20% of churches will never reopen properly. Um, I have a friend who works for a diocese in England. I won't say which it is because the research hasn't yet been published, but he's shared some of his early findings with me that they've just undertaken a, a substantial um, participative inquiry process within the diocese. And I've identified that that clearly 15% of their churches will never reopen and there's a lot of churches that have got a very small number of people trying to sustain something. Um, and they anticipate in the next f- few years that something like 40 to 50 percent of the people that used to come to the church will no longer come. That It's a very, very substantial okay. um, wastage, for want of a better word, that we're going to see. Um, okay. But what was really positive about what he uh, said was, was some of the... Um, The findings they discovered that were much more optimistic. So that's the lost side of things. But on the other hand, they've seen this massive shift in focus to personal discipleship and people taking personal responsibility for their spiritual lives and and nurturing themselves and one another rather than turn up at church and someone does it for me. They've they've seen this shift, if you like, from the temple to the home. It's a bit like when um, the temple collapsed in Jerusalem and the synagogues emerged in Mm -hmm. in the old testament i mean i know we can push the exile metaphor a bit much sometimes but it's an interesting analogy they've seen a big focus in lay leadership in pioneer ministry experiments going on um so um these are all really positive things that have happened in last in just a very short space of time Mm -hmm. that are probably going to be very substantial um positive outcomes for the future of the church and are probably the things we wanted to have happen anyway um, so clearing the decks, as it were, to create room for new growth is is possibly is a metaphor I want to push, really.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think hugely important. We, you know, we've been talking about fresh expressions for for years, years and years yeah. and years. And you know, the 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 um, the excuse I gave earlier about you know I'm I'm just far too busy to do this yes. Uh, yes. is in some cases actually very real. You know, Absolutely. because the whole thing is so time consuming that. know to 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 build a new community takes time and effort and investment you know and and if if the expectation is on one person to go do that you know you're the minister you've got the training off you go you know go go and build us a new church please um i mean that's just
1: you know it's it's yeah no yeah no and and yet the evidence from and we've been really slow around Pioneer Ministry of Fresh Expressions in Scotland. doesn't matter what denomination, we've really, not, we've really not taken hold of it. And it's not a silver bullet, it's not the answer to everything, but it brings something. Um, but I think that the potential is there um, for us now to begin to explore things. I mean, the great learning from the early research in the Church of England, the Church Army did is it, is that the vast majority of fresh expressions are lay lead anyway. The role of a church leader is much more about permission giving and enabling rather than doing it. Only two percent of fresh expressions were started by an ordained pioneer minister. I mean, now there's partly a function of numbers; there aren't many of them. But the vast majority, in fact, the highest number was this wonderful phrase "lay lay," as in not even not even recognised lay leaders, but normal people who had the temerity to do something without permission. I oh, know. No. How dare they? they? How dare they? It will never last.
0: Yeah, yeah <laughs> and that's, been, that's, that's been that's been but that's been a huge issue in the church. You know I, 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 and it's why the sense the kind of how dare they you know what, what do yeah. we do um th- there's a, a an example i've seen recently where somebody just started an online church um <laughs> and somebody said yeah yeah but who's who's supervising that you know and you kind of like oh, <laughs> you know where does that fit into our structure who's yeah. you know and are you know over the years we've we've seen huge issues around about accountability which which are real you know we've, we've had some you know pretty disastrous um, examples of fresh expressions that have gone badly, badly wrong because there was no oversight and accountability. But that's a very different thing from saying to somebody, "I'm really sorry, you just can't do that because you, you know, you haven't studied
1: theology for three years." Or indeed, indeed. And it, you know, in a sense it was ever this. I mean, you've, if you look back at the Reformation, okay, you've got you've got the big three, obviously, you know, Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli. But then you've got the Anabaptists, um, and you know, okay, you get Munster. You know, you get a kind of fairly bad example, but that. That's the bad apple, if you like. It's the bad example. Um, I almost tend to say I think the Holy Spirit is the one that does the accountability and oversight, actually. But yeah. most people, actually, who are, I think, of a pioneer mindset, want accountability. They want relationship accountability. They don't want to unbossing them, but they really do want people supervising and overseeing and helping them. Yeah. I've just finished the fifth round of a... Um, an introduction to Pioneer Ministry that I've been running like the rest of the world has on Zoom. Um, and I I started it back in um, June very tentatively thinking, well, if Pioneer Ministry is about anything, it's about starting from scratch. And if we are in any kind of moment right now, we're in a moment for starting from scratch. So I wonder whether... The pioneer ministry ideas might be something that some people might be interested in. And I had no idea whether it would be of interest. And I, so I kind of thought, well, I don't want to do a big thing. I want to do a fairly interactive thing. So I'm going to cap it at a dozen people. But I also did it so that if I only got half a dozen people, I could still say, well, I, ha- I sold half the spaces. I mean, it's free, but you know, I'd feel okay about myself. Rather than saying it, 50 people can do it, only half a, people, half a dozen people signed up and then I would feel really depressed. <laughs> and the first one was fully booked in three hours. Like I went live with it on Facebook and three hours it had gone. And I was like, people going, it, you know, it's full. What's going on? Can I, you know, are you going to do another one? And I was a bit like, "Oh crumbs. So I sort of looked at my diary and realized I could fit another one in before the summer break. And, and I advertised that on Facebook the next day and that was full within four hours and I had another waiting list. And I ran a third one starting August and another one starting September, another one that I've just finished. So I've had 60 people from across Scotland because I keep it capped at this dozen. Um, And the the breakdown's been really interesting. I would break it down into, now I work for the Scottish Episcopal Church, so that's been the primary network I've been pushing it in. It's been 40% SEC clergy, 30% SEC laity, and 30% ecumenical others, you know. So for the purposes of this conversation, you're one of the ecumenical others, so you're welcome, you know, but I'm delighted at that mix, you know, because that's very generative in itself. But it's been church leaders who've come along to this going, do you know, I didn't sign up for most of what the ministries have been doing. I want to do stuff differently. I just need some ideas. Yeah. And then amongst the laity, it's been some actual already people pioneering who just want a bit of training mm-hmm. and... A bunch of people who are aspiring but just want to help to kick it and that's been true across the denominations that's been the pattern mm-hmm. um and i now have a learning set that meets once a month from those causes of people who are now actually starting things and i'm kind of creating a little peer support group it's experimental i'm saying to people this is about well i think it's good to think of pioneer ministry as the research and development arm of the church mm-hmm. it, it's not a silver bullet do this and you will live it's Try some stuff and see what God does, because we we're in a we were already in an era of needing to rethink what we were doing, because a lot of it wasn't working awfully well, yeah. however we define that. But it wasn't, um, and now we've finally got the time and the space to do it. And the people people were out there and have grabbed onto just a little bit of help and support and a few ideas, and the feedback I've had has been so encouraging to um you know, to what people have gone away with and what they're now going to do and put into practice um, include you know and obviously I'm now still in touch with a bunch of them because we're meeting monthly, but others have said, I don't have time to do the group, but I'm doing this and I'm working on this in my church and we're now starting a, an XYZ and I'm just amazed really and excited. it's 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 sowing some seeds, but we that- that- will do.
0: Yeah, there's a kind of an amazing you know you said earlier on they used the word permission you know and, and people look for permissions so when somebody comes along and says this is okay you, you you'll go and try that um, yeah. and i've always thought some of that's around about um permission to fail as well as permission to succeed that, that people are terrified that something doesn't work
1: yes yes um absolutely that that permission to fail is really really important Uh, really important Um, it's something of a commonplace. nobody really knows where it comes from and I was even told this by my bank manager when I I started my own management consultancy business 18 years ago four in five new initiatives fail within the first five years it's just a commonplace. nobody really knows where but people accept it as a as a reality and it's shared because it seems to be true Um, so that means it's lots of things don't work out Um, but but you still learn stuff while you do it. Um, I finished a PhD last year where I researched entrepreneurial leadership in the church in Scotland. And I basically looked at pioneering initiatives and pioneering church leaders and church planters and people who started charities and social enterprises. And um, one of the key findings, much, much more important than I even expected it to be was, the importance of difficulties, the importance of mistakes, the importance of failure and learning to redefine failure. There's never actually such a thing as failure. Um, You will always learn something, even if all you've learned is we're never doing that again. Yeah, I suppose that's
0: been the problem though, hasn't it, That, that loads of churches have tried something once and it didn't go very well, so we've never done it again. Nobody sat down and said, so what happened? Yeah. Why didn't it go well? Ask yeah. the people who did come what they thought about it. Just yeah. you know, you said earlier on you, you didn't set your your target uh, participation level on the course at fifty. You know, well maybe that was the problem. Maybe all we've done is expected that a thousand people are going to turn up, and that's unrealistic. And you know, the twenty people that came had an amazing experience, and it was really valuable for them, and they're really disappointed we're not doing it again. Right.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, or it wasn't quite what they wanted, but it was good enough. But actually if we tweaked it a bit, or we try something slightly different. Yeah. And but I think you're right, what we do is we try something, it doesn't work, and we get burned. So we kind of we, we retrench, you know, and we, we oh gosh, yeah, we better just go back to what we know. But I
0: because think we it, don't have a tradition of of reflective practice for a you know,
1: kind absolutely. of better- basically that's a fundamental issue and that's i mean pioneer ministry in some ways is the application of community learning and development principles to christian mission really that's all it is if you look at some of the pioneer ministry literature and its methodologies you could you could look at community development and go it's the same thing it's going listening learning what do the people there want how can we make it happen you know stuff you know really well it's really just a Forgive me, put it this way. It's just applying it to growing up church, not young people. It, yeah, it, that's all the difference, really. Yeah. It's a different demographic that you're working with. Yeah. Um. And 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 just moving tentatively, moving humbly. I mean, I think that's the thing. This rewards our humility rather than our arrogance. We're not going to fix the world or fix the church through this stuff, but we might learn some stuff that might be useful to us and others that we can then share with each other and and support each other as we emerge blinking into the daylight and try and work out what the future holds, you know?
0: It feels like uh, Pioneer Ministry is much more collaborative than, and, than perhaps traditional ministry has been. We, we, uh, I always feel we're a bit competitive, um, you know, and even the kind of rush to online, we're still, you know, oh, I'm getting
1: more viewers than you're getting um, and all that kind of stuff. It, it is. It's enormously collaborative. And I mean, there's a real move away from what's called the heropreneur you know, the heroic entrepreneur individual who will come and save things. Yeah. Cause um, we've seen some uh, business failures recently this week that, that embody that, you know, um, that's not, um, I love the phrase in, in some of the talk about that the best pioneering emerges in a socially supportive culture where people know people who know people who are willing to work and say, I like your idea. I could help you with that. Or can I pick your brains or oh, you should talk to them because they'll be able to help you. And it is more collaborative and emergent. Um, um, I mean, there is plenty of scope for ego within it, absolutely. And you know, my you know, my idea is better than your idea, kind of thing. Um, but but if we can take the best of it, yeah, um, I think it has something very helpful and valuable. Yeah. Something else I've been mulling over um, in in sort of recent weeks has been, but what about the people for whom even that's a bit of a step too far at the moment? Um. But, costs, you know, contrary, I think, to all of our expectations, um, you know, we're not in a new normal in the autumn at all. You know, we were warned about a second wave and didn't really believe it. And then my word hasn't it hit hard, you know, and, you know, you and I are both in level four regions, you know, we're, we're allowed out of this, the gulag for our state sponsored five minutes of exercise. And that's about it. I mean, it, yeah. it's pretty severe stuff and it needs to be that way. And it's going to be that way for quite a while um and so we're actually kind of on hold for quite a long time so i think quite a lot of the pioneering stuff we can try some experiments now but actually most of this probably won't bear fruit until we're actually beginning to emerge into the new normal maybe hopefully by the summer let's hope that you know with the the um with the vaccinations and that but i have also been um thinking a bit about what do you do when everything's on hold what what you know, are you, are you just, do you just have to tread water? Do you just, is that it? And, and I think there's more you can do. Um, mm-hmm. I've been quite taken by the work of a guy called Carl Weick um, in the work of sense-making. Um, um, and there's a book that came out last year called, by Susan Verma called, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, yep. which is actually quite a good example of sense-making. Um, it's quite a programmatic book. It's quite a, in these situations, do these steps. And there's another book that's just come out in Scotland, Rewilding, well, in the UK. in Scotland. you know, Steve Aesop's book, Rewilding, which is another example of the same thing. It's much more metaphorical and suggestive. He deliberately does the opposite and said, I'm not going to give you steps to follow. Yeah. I'm going to um, just give you some metaphors to play with. But in different ways, they're all in, trying to engage with this question of when we're not sure what to do and actually we can't do very much, what, what can we do? And I really like what uh, Beaumont talks about, tending the soul of the institution. And she doesn't mean tending the soul of the people like most pastors. Oh, that's good, I'll just look after the people. It's, let's look at who we are. Let's work out what God's made us to be. Um, Like God said to Moses, what have you got in your hand? Or as I really, really like Dave Mail in his book on pioneering says, if you want to cook a meal, there's two ways of doing it. You can look at the recipe and go and buy the ingredients or you can say, what have I got in my fridge? and asking ourselves what's in our fridge what have we got at the moment so for any given church who are we what have we got what are our gifts what are our skills what are our passion our calling let's spend some time on that not to become narcissistic and self absorbed but in order to prepare ourselves for what might come and 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 what the future is going to hold but in organizational terms it says let's build some capacity yeah let's 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 i've been I've noticed how many church leaders have done series on what is the church this autumn. It's been, as i see on social media, it's been shared. And I think instinctively that's people have grasped, are doing the right thing there. Yeah. They're saying, okay, we can't do anything else. Let's go back to first principles. Who are we meant to be as God's people? Yeah. And, and, and let's just put down some roots again and get hold of that again and talk about it as a church and, 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 and be prepared then for when we can get out into the daylight. Um, and, um, and, and I would say within that, you know, invest in training now, invest in capacity building, invest in nurturing your people, but equipping them ready for what the unknown that's going to emerge next year, the year after.
0: I remember speaking to a young woman who was leaving education. she just finished university and I was having that kind of feel. Oh, so what are you going to do now? Um, and she, she was quite firm that she was going to work out who she was going to be. Right. And going to kind of work out the principles of, by which she might make decisions and live her life. And I just thought that what an incredible attitude. Isn't it? Uh, you know, particularly for a, a, a person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, particularly for somebody of her age. Indeed, like, for any person. But for anyone. But, but as an organisation and as a, a community, to be able to work out who you are is really, oh, yeah. really important because yeah. that then informs what you want to do rather than saying,
1: what can we do? Which is, I think, what, what we do all the time, isn't it? Yes, it is. it is. It's all about what can we do rather and I mean, in a way, it's uh, it's another approach to organisation development. You could start with what are the needs or you can start with who are we. Um, in a, a previous job down in England, I was the chief exec of a church planting mission agency um, and I joined it. Um, in its hundredth year anniversary as an old organisation, um and it had nearly gone bust the year before, and it you know staff morale was very low. Missionaries, because it was a, a worked around Europe, were uncertain, and and basically, I think we've just got to really focus on who we are. And I used the verse from Isaiah fifty-four: enlarge the place to be tent, stretch the tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. And I said, look, this is what we need to do at the moment. We need to you know, I didn't know Beaumont's face but I was tending the soul of the institution yeah. and focusing, I mean, in that case, it involved financial capacity as well. You know, I mean, we, we grew it, we, we grew the income by 50% in four years, I mean, or six years. Um, but we had to focus on who we were, work on training, work on capacity, work on identity. Um, as individuals, I think it's a brilliant idea, but as, as churches, um, and I think, um, you know, the thing is, is we don't need to um, go very far to find these metaphors in the Bible, you know, we've got the whole new wine, new wine skins language that Jesus gives us. Yeah. Um, we don't need to have a blueprint. I absolutely love um, Hebrews eleven eight. Abraham left his home city and set out on a journey, even though he didn't know where he was going. Yeah. That's a very freeing text, and it's in Hebrews eleven, which is, you know, it's it's the pilgrimage chapter. It's the heroes of the faith that are held up to us as an example of how we're meant to live. Yeah. So we don't have to have the answer. You know, well, what are we going to do then? Well, we don't know yet. But uh, who does? Nobody knows. But yeah. but we can start on the journey and 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 the more we can travel together. And going back to your point about you know talking about it with other church leaders or you know, fellow Christians and and picking each other's brains rather than making it some kind of you know rush to the front, you know, I'm gonna come up with a solution before you do, kind of nonsense. The better really, because we can learn together. Come back again. This is a learning, a time for learning, a time for yeah. Admitting it's not gone well, and and taking time to try a few things and see what God does.
0: Yeah, and in some senses, you know, a, a pandemic completely lets us off the hook. You know, I, I, yes. I, You know, did, uh, well, it's not my fault that that stopped. You know, there's always that kind of, you know, there's always things that go on in the church. You think, why are we doing that? Can uh, we just stop? And it's really difficult to stop because someone's really, really invested in it. Yes. Um, yeah. And now everything's yeah, yeah. Everything stopped and it wasn't yes. my fault. Yeah. So, you know, can we just have that conversation about what's important? And, and yeah. you know, we will pick some of the things up because they're really important and we should yes. do them. But there are other
1: things that we you know we'll just let go. And it may be that actually some of the people that spent 20 years maintaining something would be quite relieved, actually, because yeah. they've not wanted to admit, or even to themselves, that actually this has been a bit of a burden. And, and it's going back to, let's not all rush back to the beach as quickly as we can. Let's not r- rush back to business as usual. Um, but, but let's think about um, trying to do things differently, do things in, in a yeah, a very different way. I mean, I, I really like this, I've mentioned earlier this idea of reframing, Um, which comes from a concept called design thinking, Mm -hmm. which is a structured way for developing entrepreneurial and pioneering ideas. Rather than sort of sitting around and dreaming and hoping that inspiration will strike, there are ways of structurally exploring ideas. And reframing is a a good one. Um, And it's really telling the old story in a slightly different way. And the example I I often give is, I mentioned about this organisation that I went to in its centenary year and it you know christian mission organization of a hundred years age had it had its glory days it it was shrinking the finances were any really difficult you know finances were dropping um it nearly gone bust the year before they'd had to make some big cuts um they, they'd brought in an interim chief exec for nine months who'd kind of done the significant pruning and then i came in to the you know to kind of then try and rebuild it and i was very grateful to the guy who all the difficult stuff and the unpopular stuff because it meant I didn't have to. Um, but I and I remember saying and um, and I was genuine in this, but I was amazed what happened. I said, "Look, we're not the only organisation facing this. You know, we're just <laughs> we're just one of the first that's hit the buffers. Yes. Maybe instead of thinking us, you know, instead of dealing with this, oh, we're rubbish, we're declining, we're old, we don't know what to do. Maybe we need to rethink of ourselves as actually let's go off and try and work out what the the new." normal looks like that that phrase you know i didn't use it you know that the new if we were starting from scratch now what would we do yeah and um and maybe we could be the people that work it out others can learn from and i was amazed at the galvanizing power of that way of thinking because all of a sudden people said yeah instead of being like the old rubbish organization that fell over we could be the people that help create something new that others might then benefit from what we learn from and it just I mean, I was completely gobsmacked about how that caught fire, if you like, amongst the staff and the missionaries and kind of gave them a sense of confidence and purpose. Um, and all that done is reframe the situation. Nothing had changed. It was just that, you know, rather than being at the bottom of a downhill slide, we're at the start of a new uphill climb.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and just that metaphor. Completely changed people's mindsets and gave them energy and excitement, and and in a sense became a bit self fulfilling. Yeah, now it yeah. could be a bit of game playing, but it wasn't. It was a genuine metaphor that I used, and it completely caught me by surprise. But it, it, it did the job. It does work, and I, I you know, we, we see it
0: um, in all kinds of situations. We see it in advertising. So you know, whenever it was in the nineteen eighties, the TSB was the bank that liked like to say yes. Now that's right. a completely nonsense statement. You know, they didn't give out any more loans. They didn't say yes any more regularly, but they liked to say yes. And so that frames them as a positive, friendly, helpful kind of bank. Yeah. The Boys Brigade did exactly the same thing a couple of years ago when they did they, they declared that they were a growing organisation.
1: Now, they were. Not right. much. But they were. right. But they, they were.
0: But, yeah. but they grew significantly because, well, you know, oh, they're a growing organisation. We should go and join them. There's obviously something happening over right. there. Yes. You yes. know, and and they start to give out, excuse me, certificates to companies that have got three extra boys that have come along. Oh look at us, we're a growing company. That's brilliant. Well, that well, we maybe we're not going to decline. Maybe we're yes. not going to go. Out, you know, and
1: it, it it's that, the stories that, we that really tell ourselves. Yeah, it is. It's the stories we tell ourselves. I've started saying the same in relation to churches. You know, there's a world of difference between a church of let's let's say twenty five to thirty people that are looking back. To a glorious future behind them you know and they remember when they used to be 80 100 120 and we had 30 kids in the sunday school and, and all that and and now you know if you're a church plant for 25 to 30 people that's a really solid place to start you know church plants don't often start with that many people um now to do that you might have to do something really radical like sell your building or Or, you know, you might reinstate, you might rechange your building to be something completely different and not your primary meeting place. You might turn it into a community facility. There might be money involved. You might just say, you know what, let's just start again, particularly, you know, demographics change. Church is not located in the same location. There is a good argument. I mean, there are disadvantages to um, meeting in schools, but there are good arguments for churches meeting in schools, particularly reach families, because families are used to their kids going to that school and going to that school building they're not used to going to that weird church building that they never cross the threshold and don't know what goes in there so being in a more publicly accessible and welcoming building um all you've done is rethink yourselves as from a declining church to a church plant but it can create its own momentum and positivity um slightly more radically uh, i'm really taken i've never i don't know anyone who's done this but i'm really taken with something that a guy called Simon Sutcliffe said. He was a Methodist church Venture FX pioneer. Um, He now does in England the same job that the Rain does for the Methodists up here in terms of, you know, learning and development. Um, And he said, I mean, it was a, a bold statement, but he said he was convinced that in the future most churches would behave more like social enterprises than group meetings.
0: Okay.
1: And I thought that's very interesting. You know, it's a bold statement. But at the moment, our primary metaphor of church operations is a group meeting. That's yeah. what we do. We meet as groups. What if our primary metaphor was we're a social enterprise? We're still going to meet, but what we do when we meet, and how we meet, and why we meet, is going to be very different. Now, the role of ministry in that is still to resource people, educate, train. There's going to be worship involved because it's a Christian community. It, it, wouldn't that be a very different way to gather and exist in a, in a, in a town um, you know, than we're a group that meets? It reminds me of something that I heard Mike Frost say uh, many years ago in London, that as churches we do four things. We do uh, worship, we do fellowship, um, we do um, mission, and we do discipleship, you know, personal growth spirituality. And we use the worship service we use the worship as the thing around which the other three things happen mission fellowship and discipleship in you know, a personal group and outreach what if instead of worship being the hub what if mission was the hub and our worship and fellowship and discipleship happened around mission and it was the same metaphor just expressed in a very concrete way i'm aware that what i've just said there is quite a radical reordering and rethinking of church and it's better think it was as a thought experiment really I realise that many churches and most churches will go, that's not what I'm trained for, it's not what I'm called for, it's not what I'm gifted for, and I want to say, possibly not, but maybe you are, and, and actually the things you're doing really working anyway, why not rethink, why not push these thought experiments and see where we get to a bit, to rethink what it means to be the church in the UK in the 21st century, because as one of The people I interviewed for my PhD said to me when I interviewed them, that way we're doing it at the numbers is not exactly bringing them in in their hordes.
0: No, and I I, I guess what what you're asking us to do is to think about things that we're always really, uh, well, I I have the sense that we're uncomfortable about thinking about things like outputs. You know, what is it? You know, if we're talking about entrepreneurship, then entrepreneurs are judged on how many units they sell or how many things they make and what kind of profit They bring and those are really uncomfortable kinds of words for the church but actually we measure ourselves in those kinds of things all the time you know how many people come how much money do we make you know actually that's what we do all the time we have have
1: metrics anyway don't we yes we do and um and so yes often what can happen is that this gets dismissed as business speak but as you say we do it anyway um i think actually you can reframe and say no I'm talking about fruitfulness here. That's a you know biblical metaphor. Jesus, of course, says that if we don't bear John 15, if we don't bear fruit, we're going to get pruned. He then goes on to say that those bearing fruit also get pruned, so they can be more fruitful. So everyone gets pruned. But but we are at least warned that you know we are expected to bear fruit, and and that does make us uncomfortable. And that and fruitfulness is quite useful because it gets you know it's not about bums on seats, but it is about. Are we making a difference for Christ? Are, are we making a difference in people's lives? Are people coming to Christ? Are they going deeper in him? Are communities being transformed, you know, to become places that are more peaceful and loving? And, and, and you know, there's all sorts of things that, that I think we want to see happen as the church. Um, I think what I'm, I'm pushing at is, I'm actually in a sense pushing our rituals in the broadest sense of our practices, that we, we have these deep warm grooves of practice that we assume that to be the church is to attend a building at a certain time and have a meeting sitting in rows um, with some slightly enforced social interaction at some point that might be called the peace or might be say hello to the neighbor next to you but largely it's a fairly passive enterprise with a bit of community singing and listening to people from the front and then a quick chat after coffee and scurry off home. There are other ways to be the church and and a lot of what I'm I'm you know, I'm not all the ones I'm pushing, I'm not saying they're the only ones, but the metaphors I've been pushing or the ideas of say, let's let's think about other ways of being church and 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 push it back to what we're here for. What why is it comes back to what I was saying earlier, why why has God created church? What what's the point of the people of God? Why did God call Abraham to call him to follow him? Why did he create Israel to be, you know, ultimately to be a light to the nations, originally Israel? And then the, through the Messiah, people from every nation are called to be that light to the nations and, and to be the people of God um, that are created to, to serve the whole world, but to also make him make God known and invite others to, to know him and worship him. I mean, it's it's fundamental Christian identity stuff. Um, and, and we do have this opportunity right now to draw breath. You know, we've taken the car off the road. It's in the garage or we're sat in the services or we're... I don't know if I have to push this metaphor, but let's take some time. Let's take some time to really rethink what we're about, um, and I come back to the funny blunt observation because we're not exactly cutting it anyway. I'm not. I'm not saying we should be stopping a really successful bunch of things, but we've actually got some time to think now.
0: Yeah, yeah, to yeah to push the the metaphor far too far. You know, the engines, the engines, gut. The tires are worn out. <laughs> The, you know, the exhaust burst, you know, it's a car, but yes. only in, in name only. In the, yes,
1: yes. I mm-hmm. suppose you could even it maybe we don't need a car. Well, yeah, and I think yeah, you know, that's,
0: that's, that, but... that's the, I suppose, the thing that we're terrified of, isn't it? That, you know, we we can't, you know, for most of, I live in a, a, now a, a village where a, a, the majority of people who come to our church uh, have either lived here forever or have chosen to live here fairly recently so we've got kind of two groups of people which is fascinating um and the people who have lived here forever this is pretty much the only church they've ever been to because well why would you go anywhere else yeah yeah so course. their experience yeah. of church is what happens in that building across the road they don't have yeah. a an experience where they've been to lots of different churches where they've seen lots of different things except fairly recently where they've been able to visit other churches which has been brilliant yes you know, and a, a, try to really encourage that go and see what you know the folk down the road are doing and across here and and because some of that allows us when we come out to say actually there's a church along the road that's doing messy church why on earth well, would we compete well,
1: yeah. with that right yeah they're doing it oh, so
0: they're doing it Would you know can can our kids go there or can we yeah. work together with them so that we're not reproducing resources and effort and all that kind of stuff but the but the, i suppose the point is that it's very difficult for people to imagine something different. Yes, if that's yes. all they've ever known. Yes, you know, indeed. And, and your 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 um, use of Abraham is that is that you know I think I, I think Abraham was absolutely incredible. You know to just pack up and go. <laughs> right. and nobody did that, right? Yep. You no, know, it wasn't even a thing that was, oh, you know people go off occasionally. No, they don't. Yeah. You know they yeah. they stay together because there's safety in that, and they. They consolidate the land that they have. Yeah. Um, nobody goes, yeah. you know, especially when you don't know where you're going.
1: Yeah, and, 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 it, it, and you understand, that you? are scary, really. Yeah. But as you say, we've got the opportunity now. You know, we're not like Abraham. You know, we have Google Maps. <laughs> we we know where we're going. As it, well, we have we can go and find out. We can look ahead. We have Street View. You know, um, to push the metaphor a bit further. Yeah. Um, like you say, people have got the opportunity to go and um, learn what other people are doing, and. I've, I've always thought that creativity is basically pinching a good idea from somewhere else and seeing what we can do within our own situation. You know, Ecclesiastes, there's nothing new under the sun. We don't have to come up with something radically new that no one's ever thought of, because it, it's not going to happen. But it's a bit of something from here and a bit of something from there, and then we do our own thing with it, and we come up with something that's right for us. Um, but again, if that, you know, and I suppose it's a recipe analogy or the cooking analogy, you know, if all I've got in the fridge is is four eggs and four onions, then all I can make is an onion omelette. You know, maybe I need to get some ham in or some cheese. You know, we, we bring a few of other bits and bobs in and try again. Yeah. And the you know, the first time wasn't so great. But then let's have another go and see if we can come up with something else and, and kind of have a, a culture. And I think this is really important, probably for church leaders, but any church really who... Who are the heroes? Who are the people whose stories we tell and who we celebrate amongst our own communities? Who gets kudos? Who, who you know, do, do we say, you know, look at what X has been doing in our church and OK, you know, it didn't work out as they were as they wanted, but they learned this and we're now going to do this as a result of it. Can, can we celebrate the people that are willing to push the boundaries a bit rather than see them as the, oh, they just sit down and shut up? you know, we, we might not even agree necessarily what they're doing, but but they may help to create a philosophy and a culture that helps others to go, well, I I don't want to do that, but I want to do this. I wonder if I could have a go and would the church support me in it? And are we just going to be, are we going with the church that likes to say yes, I suppose is the, uh, yeah. is, the, is the end question, really.
0: One of the things I really like is when people creatively misuse other things. You know, so most of the best Kind of uh, things that folk develop are when they take something that is for something else and say oh what but what if we used it for this you know text messaging is the famous kind of example sms was a short message code for engineers to send messages to each other you know now we can't live without whatsapp and
1: messenger and all that but that's where it came from yeah yeah well i mean a great example is you know uh, messy church who knew that coloring in for jesus was going to be such a big thing yeah but it's a big deal and you know for many of the people involved in them that's now their church yeah and what I love about the folk at messy Church is they they're they're very self-critical so they've been aware that um, discipleship you know, people going coming to faith and going deeper in Christ is not easy in a messy church context because it's so you know activity focused so they're like right what are we gonna do about this you know we're not going to be defensive and and pretend it's all great we're not going to um uh, or, or spin it that, well, that's not really about They're going to say, we've got so far, but we want to keep learning. You know, we've, we've, we've learned a few things, but there's actually, we've discovered some flaws or some weaknesses, right? What are we going to do about it? And they commissioned church army to do a major bit of research. So they brought in outsiders to do the analysis. You know, that's, that's vulnerable. Um, but they brought in other people to do the analysis to help them learn. They brought, you know, an external point of view. in. That takes humility and vulnerability to make yourself vulnerable. But also, there's some strength of character there to say, but we're willing to learn because we want to be doing better, um, rather than pretending everything's rosy. I have huge admiration for them, not just for what we've started, but for the philosophy they're continuing with, and I think we can learn a lot from that kind of mindset.
0: Yeah, that, that outside voice can be hugely, hugely important for us, can't it? And it's something that we're always a bit wary of. You know, that kind of, well, what do they know? Yeah. you know yeah. doing this because you know we yeah. know best and it's ours and you know yeah. and, and actually you know to have someone come and look at what you do and say have you have you thought about that why do you do that you and, know, it, and, it's, and it, it goes all the way back to that tending the soul thing part of that's about asking those questions isn't it why do we do this in the way that we do it and what's it yeah. for yes you know how does it feed us or does it drain us or does you know all those kind of
1: yeah and it doesn't necessarily have to be an expert that you bring in you know in fact i think it's better if it's kind of peer led and it's not necessarily that other person's better but a different point of view a different point of view that says like you say have you thought of x or y and usually then it becomes reciprocal because if you if you do it in the context of trust and relationship you'd also be doing the same with them um you know this is where peer traveling peer learning i mean we talked about pioneering as a kind of collegiate act but um you know, this for me has been one of the things with this learning set I was talking about earlier, um, that there's just a bunch of people who they're all making it up, but they're willing to be kind of vulnerable with a bunch of other people who are making it up because they kind of know they're all in the same boat and, and they've found some kindred spirits. Um, and it's a mix of lay pioneers and some church leaders, you know, it's a mix of both. But they're all willing to be vulnerable with each other about the questions, their challenges, the things they're trying. Because it's a learning set, people ask each other questions, they go away they put ideas into practice and they've already been coming back saying, I tried, you know, I did what we talked about. I tried it. I learned this. So we all learn together.
0: And some of that cultural changes that uh, moving away from this idea of a, the, the, kind of the leader as the expert. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we have we've, for years and years and years, we've trained people in theology and then put them on a pedestal, literally, and, you know, told them to lead churches as though, you know, doing, doing an academic course makes you a, a leader. Um, you know, and and so so the, what what you're finding, I think, is is fascinating because it's about people who have have been given that status sitting with people who have none, and learning from each other, and and, and the vulnerability involved in that is is yeah, hugely beneficial.
1: Yeah, Richard Arbuckle is a I think he's a Kiwi. He's a Jesuit. Um, writer who's written a lot on um, refounding the church and it was written from a Roman Catholic context um, to put it this way um, no friend of John Paul II or Benedict XVI let me put it that way, very much a pro-Vatican II kind of guy um, and in, in one of his books he talks about um, he, he talks about um, authority dissenters and pathfinding dissenters and what he, what he means is that we need dissenters in the church but there are two types, there are dissenters in the position of authority who can open the way for the pathfinders who will go and make it. So the role of a church leader is really important in this because they can be the authority dissenter because they do have a lot of authority and they do have a lot of power in an average congregation. I guess most church leaders probably don't think they do, but they do. Um, and um, to lend their authority positional or personal or whatever it is to endorse some of the stuff that might frighten the natives otherwise, you know, um, is is enormously powerful ministry, and 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 that's where this partnership between dreadful phrase, but clergy and laity is really healthy and important. It's not about dethroning one group to through another. It's saying there are different gifts and contributions. The pathfinding centre might be the minister sometimes, and the authority centre might not might be the minister, but it might be. You know, all churches have got patriarchs and matriarchs and powerful families that may or may not have any. Official authority, but some of the most powerful ones have no official authority. Yeah. But you know, there's no nepotism in this church, and my sons will make sure of that kind of uh, thing. Yep. Um, but they are—they can be remarkable permission givers as well, um, rather than guardians of the status quo. Um, I, I, what they can be, and and some of the best, and I've benefited in the past in my own Christian journey, particularly as a young Christian, from people like that who use their authority. To create the way for this young upstart who had no clue what he was doing, to go off and try and learn a few things while he did it, and I, you know, now find myself in a position of being able to do that again, or do that now for a different generation, and it's a joy to do it. Yeah,
0: and Roger, we're almost at the end of our time, and I'm going to do a thing that I've never do with people, um, but I'm going to ask you the kind of sum up in a sentence kind of thing. What what do you think in in this period of time? So. Kind of looking forward to Easter, I think, is probably when things might change. Um, what, what is the, what's the one thing that we should be doing? You know, if, if, if folk are sitting watching this in a church, what, what is it, you know, you would advise at the moment?
1: Gosh, well, I think I want to go, I don't want to put it into two, two sentences because, you know, you're talking about sort of a few months ahead. Between now and Easter, I think it's, what have you got in your fridge is the first question. Or if you want the biblical phrase, what have you got in your hand? Who has God given you in your church, in your hearts, in, in, in your community, you know, Christian community, that, that you want to be and uh, for the future? Spend some time tending the soul of the body of Christ, you know, the institution, that would be the first thing. And then I think for Easter and, and for afterwards, my second thing would be go and try something different and see what happens and, oh. and then do it again. And then do it again, you know, and and think of it as a to some of... people about it. Yeah, yeah. Be be experimental. Try stuff and see what happens. But keep that philosophy going. So so spend some time if you like on what have we got in our fridge? What have we got in our hands? Who are we? And then you know from Easter onwards, which I think is a good watershed moment. I suspect in our country, never mind just the church. Go off and try some different things, and and see them as a learning process
0: brilliant thank you so much for your time it's been thank a fascinating you. conversation um, it's always good to speak to you so well, thank you for your thoughts with us thanks so much